Hi, my loves. My name is Ruby Lee, entrepreneur, digital nomad, croissant-obsessed, free spirit, and founder of the Own Your Hustle movement. And this is the Own Your Hustle podcast. Here, you'll be so motivated to start that business you've always wanted to, grow it unapologetically, and go all in earning powerfully with ease and grace. I'm so excited that you're here and listening in, and I'm so grateful that you made it. So welcome to the Own Your Hustle way of life, full of freedom, a dose of woo-woo, and plenty of random tangent laughs along the way. (laughs) You know, I started my company working nine to five too as a recruiter. I was working for a ventures-based business in the urban cool city of Melbourne, Australia, and today I'm traveling the world, young family in tow, working with the most amazing humans ready to build a career and life by design. Strap in my love, you are about to binge on all of the most incredible guests that I bring onto this podcast. And guess what? They started their businesses through purpose and calling, mostly while still working a day job. Let me also share this. I called my company Own Your Hustle as a reminder for us daily that we get to love our soul-led hustle. Own our decisions to go big. Stop playing small. Create with joy. Take the risk. Say yes to adventure. And from time to time, be okay with those meltdown moments. These episodes are filled with joy and strategy, spirituality and business, tactical tips, big picture concepts, musings, and of course, some of that ruby colored energy. So if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's get started. Hello. Have you noticed that the podcast tile has changed? It was definitely time for a bit of an update. And if you follow me on Instagram, you would have been able to vote on the podcast tile and I got so much feedback from you guys saying, you know what, Rubes, it's about time you changed it because it just didn't really suit your brand. You've always been known for bold colors and bold text and the previous podcast art was beautiful, but it was a little bit not you. So thank you so much. I hope you love it. Please come on over to Instagram and let me know if you like the new art or if you don't like it, then don't share that with me. Okay, we're going to protect the energy. We're going to protect the energy. But the other thing I wanted to say as well is on one of the past episodes, last week's episode, I was talking about how this was going to be money may. And can I just say, there is something so special about setting an intention around every single freaking thing including the income that you want to bring into your business. I am looking at my beautifully drawn thermometer right now. Can you hear this? This is like my little piece of A4 paper and I need to do a new thermometer because there's nothing else to color in. I'm pretty much right at the top of my income goal. So we are we're 10 days, 10 days away from the end of the month. So I'm definitely going to smash through this initial income goal. And I'm going to talk to you about it in another solo episode of how this was done. And I'll actually take you through the behind the scenes of like what, how much came through like day on day and what sales activity I did. It might be interesting for some of you who are coaches and you're wanting to know, you know, how exactly I'm converting and what sales, what launches are going on. Given that in May, I'm not really launching anything in public anyway. I'm also loving seeing how many of you have sent me your thermometers and I'm getting launch number thermometers. I'm getting money thermometers. I'm getting uh, also audience growth thermometers. You guys are taking snaps and sending it to me via the DM, which 
is so cute and I freaking love it. One of my clients, Julian, shout out Julian, got his daughter to actually create a thermometer as well. And it is so gorgeous. So shout out, Saya, if you are listening to this, but it is so cool to see you guys also taking this really fun practice into your business. There is a super secret stealthy launch going on for my six month Amplify Mastermind. And I opened up the doors again to 15 of you to start on the 1st of June. As of this recording, I now have five places left. So if you do want to work with me, go and click in the um, show notes below where you'll be able to find the application form and all the information about what this mastermind entails, but it is freaking amazing. I'm so excited to welcome my 10 new women into this group. And a lot of those of you that were in Amplify round one, continuing on for the next six months. So if you are looking for a mastermind, we begin on the 1st of June and we finish up on the 30th of November, which so happens to also be my birthday. And we're going to be really taking your business to those $10,000 months. I'm going to show you the tips, the tools, the mindset, all of it that goes behind building a successful coaching business. So today I'm actually going to bring um, one of my amazing clients on. This interview was actually recorded on the 30th of April. So some changes have happened since then, especially as we discuss whether co-working spaces are allowed to bring people in or not. So it just goes to show how quickly the environment can change. We are going to be talking about the future of work. Erin O'Donoghue is the owner of the Hive Collective and also the owner of a co-work space here in Melbourne called The Space. I hosted my event in The Space earlier this year, just before all the lockdown happened. So I was very, very blessed to be able to have 30 of you in the room where we talked about spirituality in business. And Erin and I discuss what it's like to firstly just work from home and also what it's like from a human-centered design perspective, different to human design, a human-centered design perspective of now designing your workspace with a very sort of future of work view and an interesting discussion about co-work spaces because Erin owns a co-work space and her thoughts and her views on how this is going to really change the future of how we work collaboratively with each other in person as well as online. So without further ado, let's get stuck into today's interview and I'd love to introduce you to Erin O'Donoghue. Hi, listeners. Our topic for this episode is all about the future of work, looking into the crystal ball of how we may be working, collaborating, and networking with one another during and after this crazy quarantine season, and how human centered design or design thinking plays a role in this. So, if you're not sure what human centered design is, We'll be demystifying this on this episode because I have my guest today, Erin O'Donoghue, the founder of The Hive Collective, a consultancy specializing in design thinking, and also The Space, which is a co-working space based here in Melbourne. So fun fact, I hosted my live spirituality and business event at the space just before we were told to stay at home. I'm so lucky I timed it the way that I did. And you know what? I could see with my own eyes how close the co-working community was at the space and still is. So we'll be discussing this. Um, And then of course, quarantine hit. 
And I guess everything for now has really changed completely. So I thought this would be a really interesting discussion to bring to the podcast. So Erin is here to share all of what has been happening in the world of co-working, but also talk to us about the area and expertise around design thinking. So welcome to the podcast, Erin. Thank you. I'm so, so excited to be here. I know everyone says that, but I... (laughs) And so, so excited. This has been something that we've talked about for a little while that we were hoping to do in person, but just as good to be online with you. I feel like I'm there with you though, because you're in the space recording this and there's this real signature white brick wall look there. It's so cool. And it's really, it's so Brunswick and so trendy. And I'm like, I feel like I'm energetically there with you. (laughs) Yes. Yay. And it's actually really nice for me to be in here because obviously it's been quite strange not being here for this last little while. And actually I feel like this is the perfect place for me to be and doing, having this chat. So it's a big, we're just going to describe it, big warehouse conversion it's so cool. It's got this real New York vibe about it, but also very spiritual. Like as soon as you walk in, there's like this beautiful aura and there's crystals and you sage it, don't you, every day? Yes. And I don't know. How else would you describe this this beautiful co-work space of yours? Oh, thank you. That's so nice. And I love it when people say that the, the biggest compliment we can get is that it feels great in here. Like we love that so much. Um, it's kind of, you know, we, we, we like to have fun in here. There's, there's a bit of fun in the decor, you know, bright colours, pops of colour. Um, we've got a beautiful um, green velvet couch that sits in our foyer that's kind of our centrepiece. Um, but really, yeah, it, it's a bit of a mix of spiritual, a bit of creative. Um, we don't have a particular type of person that works with us as far as industry, but I guess a like-minded person and we want to make it, a place that feels welcoming, that people can bring exactly who they are into the place that they choose to work, which is so, so different potentially to a corporate environment that some of us have worked in in the past. So It's so different and there is just this beautiful, like even just seeing the building from the outside, it is, what's the colour? I don't want to get it wrong because I was, I was going to say a colour and you're like, Ruby, it's not that colour. <laughs> I can be very specific about my colours, I must say. Um, it's probably like a, a, a turquoise aqua. Actually, I have trouble describing it. I was going to say aqua and I'm like, is that the right? Anyway, you can't miss it. It's just this aqua building and it's like you go down the main street and there it is. And I'm like, oh, there's the energy. It's so, so beautiful. But yes, so I bet there's been a lot of change recently with co-working. I mean, obviously you can't have anyone in there at the moment or can you? Uh, Look, it's a bit technical, I guess, as to whether someone could come in here and work or not, um, but we made the decision in early April to close down in, in its entirety. So it was a phased kind of approach where the first thing to go was events, obviously, because large gatherings were cut out, you know, pretty much right from the start. We I then had, I just snuck in there. I must just have just my weeks. In. You just snuck in. So I, the week after we had your event, I went to Bali. <laughs> you know, why don't you go in the middle? Anyway, things were quite different then. It was a bit of a toss up whether we went or not, but things were quite different at that point. And in the nine days we were away, things escalated really, really quickly. Um, But yeah, so we, events were the first thing to go. Then we gradually phased back and people were electing to work from home anyway. I think either by necessity or by choice, whether they were a bit immunocompromised or whether they had to look after kids, those sorts of things. So we just made the hard decision early April to 
closed down completely because things were changing so much from day to day it was better just to have certainty ourselves and give our members certainty as well so Mm. oh my gosh it would have been so hard I can just imagine you and your business partner sitting down going do we do this do we not and obviously you know having people in a co-working space is also the lifeblood of your business and you know income wise but also energy wise and and that kind of thing so We'll go deeper into this, but I also wanted to bring some light to this topic of human-centered design, or as you just educated me and told me before we went live, it's also known as design thinking, or that's another common term for it. So for everybody here, let's break it down. What is human-centered design? Can you give us the 101 version of it? I can, I can. So it's a methodology that has been used um, for quite some time in organisations like Google and Apple when it comes to innovation. So it's seen as an innovative tool, I guess. Essentially what it is, though, is working with your customers, so putting your customers or the humans that you work with. And when I say customers too, I use it in the sense of internal and external customers. So my background's in human resources. So when I think about it from an internal perspective, all employees are the customers of HR and same with other internal functions. So it's working with your customers in order to design solutions that actually solve their problems essentially. So I, there's a whole, it's a creative process. It's an amazing process. I am very passionate about it and love it so much. It's a different way of solving problems and it often presents problems in a way that we as experts may not have seen it. So it shines a light in a different way. So um, yeah, it's some people, like I tend to use the word co-design as well a lot with my clients. So and again, human-centered design, design thinking, I use them interchangeably. And I think it depends where you've worked or how you've come across these terms in the past. Um, like you were saying before, in startup, design thinking is a really well-known term, whereas I love to work in the community sector or in the health sector where I'm often introducing these concepts for the first time. And they may be more comfortable with something like co-design. However, co-design as they know it has possibly been done a little bit differently so it's kind of picking how I use the words to get in the door and have people understand what I might be talking about before I show them a slightly different way of doing things. How often is it confused with human design? Well, it depends, again, what world you're in. So I think in the woo world, yes, I think it gets confused. It was, it's actually really funny that you say this because you posted something about human design. It would have been a couple of months ago, like late last year, and my partner came and he's so excited. Oh, my goodness, Ruby's talking about human-centred design, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, babe. No, babe. I, just, I, just, <laughs> I saw that post and she's talking about human design. Like she's human got no idea about human-centred design, okay? <laughs> so yes and I think that is that's the thing about language right you know like how we can we we attach things to certain things so it's really just about being able to have a conversation with someone and explain to them what it is now I love the way what you do in your consultancy you know with the hive collective where you know describing some of your projects where you went and worked with a health organization but the, the big sort of moment for me where I was like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea human-centered design was so highly linked to this was around the build-out, the architecture, the way that we use a, spa- a physical space and, you know, what gets the most out of 
product, our, our time and our productivity and all of this. So can you riff a little bit on that and how that's tied into, for many of us who might eventually want to set up offices or we have physical spaces, how does human-centered design play a role in that? Ah, good question. So that was one of my favourite projects that I've worked on. I've probably spoken to you about it a million times because I just love it so much. Um, it was working with a hospital um, who were looking to build an outpatient rehabilitation centre for children. And it was really, I was brought on board quite early, way before the architects were engaged. They're only just now being engaged at this point in time. And it was all about how we worked with the children and their families who were going to be using this space, who access the service currently and who are going to be using this space to find out what works for them. So from my perspective, dream project, you know, getting in early, terrifying the thought of working with children because I'd never done it before. Um, But like you said, a real opportunity to shape something physical, whereas often... The other thing I love about um, human-centred design is it can be adapted and used to solve any problem. So I could do something from, you know, I've done something from uh, a workforce review within an organisation using human-centred design. This piece around physical design, a piece I'm working at the moment which is more about service design with people recently leaving prison. So I'm not an expert in any of those fields. My expertise comes in the process and then it can be applied to anything. So I love that and I love the surprise that comes from it always working, which is amazing. Yes. So how much of your knowledge and expertise in this field played a role when you were designing your co-work space? Was that just hand in hand? Were you like, oh, my goodness, like this is how we're going to create more collaboration in this space and help, you know, because it is so innovation-focused? Was that something that was really part of the discussion in terms of the co-work business that you run? Well, we were really fortunate in that this was a very fortuitous um, situation that presented itself because this was a previous co-working space um so the infrastructure itself was already existing so the way you know the meeting rooms are set up the open co-working those sorts of things um in hindsight I wish I had done more I wish I had followed my own advice more um right in the beginning around how people use the space but we did have some insight because Al had actually my business partner Al had actually been a member here so she was very familiar with the space how it was used where we might want to tweak things. So one thing that we changed quite significantly was the furniture. So all of our furniture here in the open co-working space and in our workshop event space is all fully flexible. So it's all on wheels. So that was one thing that came from, although we didn't necessarily talk to our customers about that because she was a previous customer, that was one thing that straight away we're like, that's something we would like to do differently. Mm. Um, that being said though you know ongoing feedback is so so important Um, I would like to think that we are very open we have an online Facebook group where we're you know we keep communication open I'm always just checking in with people how are things going you know we've got one of the rooms here um, one of our members who's a marriage celebrant uses and so soon after we do I just checked in with him how's that working for you how are those chairs those sorts of things so I think the other side of it Ruby is that it doesn't have to be a big process. You know, Mm. it's just how are we constantly checking in with our customers about what's working and what's not. And sometimes it can be really scary to ask that. Like we got some feedback early on when we opened that we didn't love to hear because 
people were comparing what was a previously five-year-old business with a brand new business that we opened in the middle of winter. And like you were saying before, this is a massive building and it was cold in here and we got some feedback that we didn't love. Um, But that's what happens when you ask for feedback and you have to be willing to accept that and then you make a decision about what you do with it. So Mm. I like to say feedback is a gift. Um, We don't always love the gifts that we get. We then have a choice as to what we do with that gift. Do we re-gift it and pass it on or do we take it and try and use it in a way that can make some sense for us? It's so funny. Oh my gosh, so many things. So (laughs) I used to have a warehouse obsession. So my first two homes that I bought, they were both converted warehouses. And I know how hard it is to heat up those rooms. (laughs) Oh my gosh, just with those high ceilings and the brick walls and no insulation, it was full on. So I'm feeling it there. Like, you know, (laughs) it's a really big co-work space, you guys. So there'd be a lot of, you know, heating action that needs to happen. And I'm sure hours before everyone arrives. Um, but yeah, it's so interesting. You touch on that feedback piece because, you know, even for some of us here who run online businesses, it's scary to just stop maybe even like two weeks into an engagement or three months into a year-long engagement to say, what could be done better? What is it that we can do to improve? And you kind of like might send an email or a survey or type form and you just like hit the send button and run away from it. You know, it's like, I don't want to see this, but it really is such a gift. And isn't it just a choice of what you decide to take on Mm -hmm. and what you feel is like, yeah, well, it's a work in progress. So we are getting towards there, but it's not going to happen straight away. How do you change that mindset from feedback being scary to it becoming a gift? Like what are some practical examples that you did to really take on that feedback and implement some of it, or even just choose to move that out and be like, yeah, we'll just put that one on pause. Yeah. I think the one, the one thing I say to my clients is feedback is not good or bad. It just is. It's Mm. someone telling you about their experience. So I try to, when we're doing this work with our customers, that's how I try and phrase it is that you're getting back the feedback on someone's experience of you, of your service, et cetera. You may not like what you hear, but it's their experience. So it's better for you to hear it than for them to be talking to everybody else about Mm. it, right? Because then you can make a choice about what you do with it. Yes. So, so true. Now, no doubt you would have been getting a lot of feedback over this time where you've had to close down the physical co-work space Mm. and you've got ongoing members. And I'm sure it's just, there's a lot of tough decisions that you've had to make and conversations you've had to say and emails you've had to write. So (laughs) how has this time impacted on your business and, you know, specifically, well, the Hive Collective is online and you can deliver that online, but in terms of the co-work space, just give us a little insight around how you've had to sort of handle it all and and move through it because this is challenging. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, our business, this business here is built on face-to-face human connection and we're not allowed to do that anymore. So at the moment. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been hard. It's been interesting because as you know, like I, I can have a tendency to overthink things. Like I want to do a good job. Like you said yesterday, I'm so heartless. I put a hundred percent into everything. Um, but it's been really strange. I've been really quite calm about this. Um, 
I don't know if it's something about, you know, the the inner work that I continue to do or if it's something about the fact that I feel like we're all in this together. Um, I feel like there's such an amazing, I have such an amazing network of people around me and community of other entrepreneurs, small business owners, freelancers, and we're all sort of grappling with the same sort of thing. I think there's something, there's something in that, you know, it's not something that we've done wrong, you know, it's something that has happened to us and it's all about how we respond to that, right? And and panicking is just not going to fix that. So it's been tough, you know, just because there's no, just because the doors are closed doesn't mean costs stop. So we've had some, you know, we've been negotiating, we've been having, you know, conversations with our landlord, with our suppliers, anything that we can, you know, sort of put on hold. But the reality is, is there are, you know, landlords still have mortgages, you know, things like rates don't go away. You can pause those things at the moment, but they're still there. So, you know, we have, we are just so fortunate to have such an amazing community um, of people here. And we've just been really honest with them. You know, it started off with, we're winding things down and we're sure we'll be okay. And then it kind of moved to, like you said, some really tricky emails where we have to be really open and transparent. And we would like to think that we are always transparent, but this was next level transparent, yeah. you know, <laughs> like this is, we are a new business. You know, we opened in July last year. We think we'll be okay, but there's a reality here of we don't know how long this is going to go on for. And therefore, you know, we just want to be really open with you about that. We want to do everything we can to make sure there's a community for all of us to come back to, but here's the reality of where we're at. And don't panic just yet, but we want to be really open about that. Keep calm and carry on. Exactly. Isn't that the, you know, the the old like war cry. Yeah. But I will say this, that you really have come across so calm and like every week we jump on a call and it's like, are you good? And you're like, yeah, I'm like strangely good. Erin, what are you on? (laughs) You're just like this dark and you're pedaling underwater. It's not even that crazy, but you're just, you look like really together and you could easily have swung the other way and gone like mega anxious about it, flip out and go, oh my gosh, this is so nuts. Like, and you've just announced your pregnancy. So yes. that is this is whole <laughs> other layer of stuff going on. Like, wow. But I just have to say this, you have done this so well. And, you know, I've had clients who, you know, one of my clients, she owns a, a gym, same position. Mm. She's just like, I've had to pause all payments and the members are like, oh, you know, like, when are you going to reopen? Can you reopen? She's like, I don't have the answers, but mm-hmm. for now we're going to do whatever we can online. So let's move some classes online. So let's talk about what you're doing from a co-work perspective that you're taking online to keep the network close and together. And because it is such a close group that you have, what are some of the cool innovative things that you've done from also like a design thinking point of view of, you know, what can you, how can you continue to add value to your customers? Yeah. And I think that's the thing, you know, that's been the big question in our mind is how do we continue to add value when the value that we normally add is a physical space? It's like 99% of, percent of what you do. <laughs> I know. And of course us, cause we're amazing, but yes, clearly. <laughs> no, but, and, you know, and community, but, but it is like, you know, the value that we add is a, 
you know, and we'll talk more about future of work in a sec, but the value that we add is the freedom to work from home, to work from co-working, to, you know, choose both, you know, whereas that's been completely taken away. So that's been the biggest question that, you know, we've been asking ourselves is how do we continue to add value and <laughs> that's been hard. So, the, I mean, the first thing we did was create um, an online community. Now, we have a membership group that already exists on Facebook that's for more operational kind of stuff. We created a whole new group and this came to me in the middle of the night in Bali because I was just lying there thinking about that's the one thing. The one thing that has stressed me most during this whole situation has been my empathy for others um, and just worrying about all of the small business owners and all of the entrepreneurs who don't necessarily have a, a, a safety net or a, mm. the backup of, you know, a regular paycheck, you know, and so many people have done so well in pivoting, you know, just that magic word that's become overused like journey. But, <laughs> but so true. you know, so many I shouldn't have underestimated people because people, you know, people are entrepreneurs and go out on their own because they're enterprising and because they know how to respond to things. But I was lying awake in the middle of the night thinking, and it was off the back of a post that one of, like a friend had made, just thinking, wow, you know, people are just going to need support during Mm. this time. How can we connect in a way that is not face-to-face but provides people with whatever it is that they need? So we created the Friends of the Space Facebook group and it's not just for our members, it's for anybody, you know. Mm. Friends, you're in there. Um, Other people who have used our workshop space, other people who are just part of our broader community and um, what we're doing in there is, you know, w- what most people are doing, just trying to people keep people connected. You know, I post silly things in there. I'm asking people what are they watching on Netflix because I think I've really enjoyed this. I've started watching some things I would never watch on Netflix, but just things like that. We also have, you know, twice weekly calls where we have lunch on Wednesday, Friday night drinks on Fridays, and I'm just about to start next week um, getting our members to share some of their knowledge of things because there's so many clever people in that group with their own knowledge and it also allows them to showcase what they do to the broader group. So really, again, you can't replace the casualness of sitting around the tables and the chats that we have but trying to be there for people at the point at which they need it. And some of them don't need or want it at the moment because they've got a million things going on. They're trying to homeschool for the first time. They're sharing space with their whole family in the kitchen and trying to, you know, do eight hours of Zoom calls because, you know, if they're working in corporate, they've potentially had their day just lifted and shifted so it looks exactly the same as it did before. It's just online and that's exhausting. So, um, yeah, I think it's just about, and that's a whole new world for me. Look, I've done online as part of my work world for a long time but, creating community online, it's new for me. And so, again, we're just learning as we go. And this is really interesting as we shift into discussing the idea of the future of work. I mean, I find this topic so sexy. It was actually my first ever speaking gig that I had. It was a panel I was invited to be on and I was still working in tech recruitment at the time. So they were like, what does the future of work look like from a tech space? And, you know, this was like five years ago and we're living that life now. Mm. But given that you're in an environment where you're running a physical 
co-work space, you're building and pivoting to increasing your online connection with your members. And you have this authority around human-centered design. Where is it going in your mind? Like if we were to look into the crystal ball, do you think that this is just going to become much of a norm? How does this affect the co-work industry in general? Mm. Um, You know, are we sort of just more so now trained to work online all the time and that changes in terms of how much physical interaction we want to have? Like what are some thoughts around that for you? Yeah, so many thoughts, so many thoughts. I am super excited about this, as you know, because I... Uh, it's just such an opportunity. Like I really feel like we were talking about yesterday. I feel like we've, you know, there's been a real shift in the energy in the last week or so. There certainly has for me where I'm feeling more optimistic that we're coming to some sort of change soon. You know, I've stopped, you know, I don't talk about it as going back to normal, but going back to a new normal. Um, And I think that's what I'm so excited about is we have an opportunity to purposely choose what our new normal looks like. And all of us have that choice. Um, I think what I, I'm, I'm super excited about the fact, you know, I spent a lot of my career in HR trying to encourage organisations and managers to embrace flexible work and it was such a slog. You know, some people love it, embrace it, no problems at all. Other people just resisted and resisted. So I am super excited about the fact that, They've had it, they've had, they've got live example. We've just conducted a live experiment out of necessity that it can be done. You know, don't have a conversation with me anymore about, no, that can't be done, that's too hard. People will take advantage. Oh, the thing I love the most is, but what if they work from home and they've got their kids there? Hello, look what we've all had to do. You know, like it's, it's, I, know. I love it so much. You know, you it's think back so to those true. conversations with particular people who, gave you a hard time and you're like, what conversations are you having now? Because this is happening for everybody. <laughs> it's so, um, so true. And you know what? Like it's, it's. I remember when I was working in corporate and we were trying to shift actually our contact centre to working from home. I mean, that's a big one because all the systems mm, and technology, the, oh, all yeah. the tech. But, you know, they were taking up like two, 300 seats in the building and then they did all the scoping of it and they're like, hang on, wait, like, if someone were to come in, it costs X amount of dollars if we had someone housed here as opposed to just working from home. Yes. And that was a two-year project, Erin. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there was human-centered design <laughs> thinking in there as well, but how mm. frustrating. It is just like yeah. you can't just do it, but then you can just you do can. it. We've, like we've, we've just literally it. had we've to do it. it. Yeah. So my, I guess my only thing about that is, is that thinking about this opportunity to do things differently is, I wrote a LinkedIn post yesterday because I was just, I've been thinking a lot about the people for whom this might be their first real experience of working from home and they may be hating it right now. Mm. And so I'm very mindful of that. Like I said, you know, I see, you know, some of my friends who are working in senior roles still within, you know, corporate or government environments and it's like their workday has just been lifted and shifted to home and to online you know, apparently the average executive does 23 hours of meetings a week or something like that. I don't know about you, but I used to do way more than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if we're just replicating, A, what's happened in the corporate environment into working from home, that's not going to work. And if people's experience of working from home is as it currently is, that's potentially not going to work either because we're experiencing such a 
potentially unhealthy blur of work and life at the moment because we don't have the flexibility. One of the things that I love most about working for myself or working from home as such is the flexibility that I have to choose the way that I work on any given day. And, you know, again, you know, this is something that you've said, you've lost your ability to go work in a cafe or go work in a hotel lobby, which gives you energy. So um, I think, you know, as much as I'm excited, I think it it comes with a bit of caution in that you can't, organisations probably can't just keep doing the way they've been doing it. It's going to take a a, a conscious pause to stop and go, right, what worked, what didn't work, and how do we move this forward? Totally. I mean, you know, as you sort of spoke about, like I've been sharing with Erin the frustrations I have of not being able to have that interaction with other humans, even though I have worked from home for the last two years, pretty much since I left corporate, I've had the opportunity to travel the world, work from airport lounges, which is so full of life and it's so buzzing to now just like, I'm just going to be in this corner of the house guys. And, you know, as far away as the kids as possible. So it doesn't get picked up on the podcast Mm -hmm. and all these sorts of things. It adds like a whole other layer to the day where it's without knowing it, it's like a subconscious, like frustration. Mm. And that's the word I think for me, like the, oh, it's easy for you, Rubes. You've been doing this for a while. I'm like, no, it's not because I haven't been doing this full time at home. Like I'm used to working outdoors most of the day and it's, um, yeah, I, I, it is such a big shift. So I wonder though, if many, depending on the industry, whether organizations will just go, you know what, now that you can, and we can work from home, whether it'll just be part of like even like the employment contract discussion Mm. of do you prefer to work from home? Do you want to come into the office? Like you can if you want to, but there's going to be less desks around and that kind of thing. Like how do you think it'll impact your space and, you know, the amount of people now that'll be like, you know what, I really like the co-work space, but I might want to attend less but do more Mm -hmm. in-person events like Mm -hmm. and switch that up a little bit. Have you and your business partner talked about like the different, outcomes that might come from this season in in the world really yes yeah yeah I definitely think that's possible I think some people may decide to scale back their co-working time and you know what that's that's fine you know I think it comes down to what works for people and we want happy you know aligned people being here so that's absolutely fine but I think your point is that you know, I know I'm craving it. You're saying you're craving that connection, that human connection. So it might just look different. I think we've had an example of where workshops we thought couldn't be run online before and now being run online. And again, it's like, oh, well, that can happen. So I think there's that where people may start to do more things online, but bring components of it face-to-face. So, you know, old school, how I would call it in my old you know, the blended kind of learning. So elements of online, elements of face-to-face to help bring together that connection. You know, I don't know how long it's going to be before we can do events. Again, I feel like co-working might start to come back soon as long as we've got, you know, really strict kind of things in place around social distancing. But we don't know how long it's going to take for events to come back. Mm. Um, but I think to your question about, you know, corporates just potentially deciding you know the floor space thing is a big thing you know so 
whether it coming out of this, people will start to look at costs differently and think about, okay, well, we've got this workforce that has demonstrated they can work from home. Do we need all this floor space? You know, I know one of the things that was a big thing at one point was where I was, was everyone has to have a desk. Well, I think it's an opportunity to look at that and go, does everyone have to have a desk? You know, if we work it out better, if we can get smarter. You know, I was reading something too about a question about whether our CBDs, our central business districts, will ever be the same again Mm. post this. You know, we have a real opportunity to look at the way that people work. You know, whether it's working from home, whether it's structuring our work days differently, you know, does everyone have to be there nine to five? Can we stagger those days? Does everyone have to be there every day? So there's all these types of questions and we've seen the beautiful um, benefits to the environment that have happened with us all being kind of not so mobile. So how do we factor in our impact on the environment with this as well? So potentially an opportunity for us in the co-working world for businesses downsizing and encouraging people to work from home but perhaps encouraging them to keep connection through a co-working space. We have a couple of members here who work for organisations that are interstate and they provide them with the opportunity to do some co-working at least part-time so they get that balance. Where I think there's also potentially an opportunity is in smaller businesses, so maybe of two, three, four people who again have gone through this time and either through necessity or through just making a choice, that new normal to live differently, might decide they don't need their own personal office but perhaps they want to come and join a community again to get flexibility to be together working some of the time and be exposed to other people and then to balance that with potentially working from home. Mm. So, so many opportunities. I think the opportunities outweigh any of the down kind of sides about people choosing to work a little bit differently. You know what I heard someone say today, events was the first thing to go Mm -hmm. and it'll be the last thing to come back. And I'm I'm pulling the biggest sad face at the moment because I'm like, do you know what? When 2020 rolled around, I was like, this is the year of retreats and events. Mm. I made that declaration on this podcast. (laughs) And now I'm just like, oh, fucking hell. You know, it's just like, oh my God, there we go. Can we please just fast forward to when we can do in-person events? Like I had built actual offers, like my masterminds and even like in-person, like red carpet days, which is like strategy days that I do. All of it was about having like an event style in person. And it's so funny, like thinking about it because, you know, when we are able to, I know it's going to be just like, everyone's going to be so excited. Do you know, it got to the point where like conferences and it's like, oh God, not another (laughs) conference. You know, it's like another junket. What am I going to be sold this time at this conference? And you're only really going for a 20 minute keynote, but you're just going to go through all the other shit before you get there. And who do I have to talk to? Yes. It's like, oh, please don't tell me I have to run into Barry from the industry, you know. (laughs) But the thing is now, I think it's just going to, how different will it be? Like, I think in the future when we're able to get back into, like you said, a new kind of normal, it's going to be so embraced and so beautifully received. Like I know there'll come a day where we can have our retreats again. It's going to be magic. So, so good. So whenever the case is, but you know, I would love to learn from you guys listening in tag Erin and I and share with us on Instagram or whatever your platform is, 
what you believe the future of work will look like from a networking, collaborative, mm-hmm. peer-based, co-working type of environment. I think it's always interesting hearing from others around that new school way of working. Yes. But were there any other thoughts, Erin, or anything else that you wanted to share with us about this topic? Like I know you've got 100,000 things to say, so sometimes <laughs> my questions don't always like um, open that up. So, you know, what are some things that we can consider, think about food for thought when it comes to human-centred design, future of work, all this good stuff we've been talking about today? Yeah. Oh, I mean, the first thing I want to say is I'm just sitting here nodding furiously because no one can see that. But at what you're saying about this whole notion of never, ever taking for granted an in-person event again, and I think I posted something about that on Instagram the other day, you know, like... Yes, I saw that. (laughs) It's like he's never taking that for granted ever again, the ability to connect in person. But, you know, I think that's what this whole thing as, you know, challenging as this situation has been, it's been a beautiful opportunity to reset and really re-appreciate, not re-appreciate, but appreciate what we have in our lives and what's really important. So, um, yes, I'm with you on that and I hope that we will be able to do something with you at the space before you take off on your world travels again, whenever again that may be. That is the plan. That is definitely the plan because we just loved hosting the spirituality in business event. It was such a beautiful space. So if anyone, you know, is in the future thinking about like, where can I host something? How many people do we have? Maybe like 30. Mm. And it was so perfect in the front room of the, the, the building. So, you know, anyway, we'll definitely yeah. leave the links below in the show notes. If you want to go and check out the website, if you want to engage Erin on human centered design thinking, and how that can apply to your company, to your business. You know, you do work with small, medium and large businesses. Like what is your niche when it comes to um, the Hive Collective? Yeah, I do. I, um, I, I, will work, I, want, I don't want to say I work with anybody because that makes me sound like I just don't have an aligned client. <laughs> <laughs> I work, but I do. Like so my main passion is working with, you know, not-for-profits, community organisations and um, I've been doing a bit of work in healthcare, which I've really, really enjoyed. So, and the reason I like working with those guys is because they're not necessarily exposed to this way of working. You know, some people have been doing this kind of thing for a long time, so they know it, they get it. But I love introducing it to people that are ready to make change. They just don't quite know how to go about it. So um, that's my kind of love and my passion. But I, I love working with anybody, as I said, who wants to make change. So um, that's really where it's at but I if I can just there's probably a few things that I would say around your question to how people can take some approaches of design thinking or human-centered design into this new world of work and I would I'm glad that you asked people to tag us and tell us what they're thinking because I think there's so many ideas and that probably comes to my first point is approach it as an experiment so if you're deciding to do this whether it be as an individual or as part of an organisation, there isn't a one-size-fits-all to this. You know, it's about thinking about what's worked during this time, what hasn't, um, how are you communicating, how do you get the most of it. But you can't fail, you can't mess it up, you know. It's an opportunity to just get in there, talk to your people and find out, which is the second point about co-design it. You know, as a leader, if you think you're charged with the responsibility of this, if you've got a team, co-design it with them. They know what's worked. They know what's going to work for them. So do it that way. We don't have to have all of the answers ourselves and it's okay for it to be a bit messy. 
as well, which is another thing that I love about the process. The other thing I would say is because our process is all about customer, take into consideration how new ways of working is going to impact your customers. So whether, again, that be internal or external customers and also, again, you don't have to have the answer, go and ask them. Because I think there's been so many times in the past that I've heard we can't work from home because it won't work for our customers. Well, we've had the opportunity to prove that our customers have just had to deal with it (laughs) and we've all had to flex. So go back to them and you can also ask them what's been working during this time. And it's about not taking that feedback as negative, taking it as an opportunity to improve. So um, I'm actually at the moment working on some products or a product and opportunity for um, to run some workshops in face-to-face once we're allowed to, to help people do just that. You know, if, if you're in that situation and you're thinking about what does this look like, I don't even know where to start, mm. then I would love, love, love to get involved in something like that and help people come together and reconnect but start to look at what the future looks like, which is super exciting. I think you're going to be a busy lady when all of this <laughs> lifts and companies are going to be like, come and help us because right now we're in a state of confusion and it just comes down to, okay, like let's talk about how we innovate, how we look at what our customers, our employees, our staff, our people want from us. So I have this funny feeling it's going to get very busy for you. So Wow, Erin, thank you so much. This was such a fun discussion to have. And I feel like it was almost like, I don't know, like a talkback radio episode where it was like, dude, what about this? What about this? What about this? So, so cool. And I love listening to episodes of this style because you really feel like you're in the conversation with, you know, the two that are on the air. So thank you. How can we find you, work with you, all of that good stuff? Like where, you know, where do you hang out online? I hang out online on LinkedIn. <laughs> you, would have killed, you would have killed me if I hadn't, didn't say that. <laughs> um, so Erin uh, O'Donoghue on LinkedIn um, and on Instagram um, for Hive Collective, it's at This Is Hive Collective and for the space, we are at the space co, but sorry, at the space underscore co on Instagram. We're also on Facebook um, but not so much. You know, it's more kind of Instagram and LinkedIn that we we hang out. We also have a web, both have websites, but I think if you find us online, we would love for you to follow along and particularly at the moment we're craving that connection. So connect with us online and please say hello as well. Yes, I love this. And I don't know if you're feeling this, Erin, and listeners where aren't we just moving through a phase where we're so done with being spoken at, Mm. whether it's, the government or meetings or the news. And now we just want to be, you know, in that place where we can speak with each other and just gather and connect and, you know, just be human, (laughs) be Mm. human. Stop talking at me and listen and let's chat and talk and however we can hold space like that online right now, let's go and do that. So absolutely. Thank you once again. You've been an incredible guest. Tag us, you guys, and I will catch you for our next episode. Thanks, Erin. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ruby.